This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to celebrityqb.com. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Callender, and I am joined by my friend, Andrew, today because I am going to touch upon a neglected sport on my behalf on the podcast for the most part, so we're going into some soccer talk. Soccer. Uh, yeah, so uh, basically, uh, going to go back through uh, some of the events that went on with Boxing Day and the games that went on earlier today. And obviously, Andrew, you being a Liverpool fan, we also had to talk about the acquisition. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you take the floor and give you, uh, give you the floor as to your thoughts on acquiring Virgil van Dyke from Southampton, which was... Basically, the acquisition that everyone has been waiting for for the better part of three months now, uh, and it it's finally happened. Of course, it's uh, you you paid a pretty penny with a hundred uh, hundred million pounds, but uh, you know, given given the way your back lines look this year, it, it's actually uh, money well spent given uh, given the pl- spot where you are in the table at the moment. Yeah, a la Barcelona, you know, you you got to do your capping up and trying to get your players and when you get caught out you gotta pay the piper so that's what happened with Liverpool I didn't actually think that we were gonna get him I thought that Southampton were gonna um, hold tight all the talk from the Southampton fans were any anyone but Liverpool right and uh, I thought that Man City was gonna come in and try and grab him but uh, it looks like we got our man 75 million look I'm not I'm not writing the checks so <laughs> you know I'm, I'm happy as can be because we needed a center back. We probably need two center backs. We got Matip on a free transfer, which is, you know, he's probably been uh, our most, I guess, consistent center back. And then Klavan, right? And yeah. uh, a lot of the fans talk is that Klavan and uh, Virgil van Dijk would probably be the best matchup. But either way, our defense is shambles. So uh, if we can keep some out, maybe get a keeper, we have a chance of uh, – climbing a little bit higher in the table. I don't, I don't think that we have enough for, uh, for to make any sort of run uh, towards the very top, but maybe it'll solidify our uh, our fourth place, maybe sneak into third, but uh, doubtful. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, a, a good acquisition, and I think uh, something that we definitely needed. Yeah, two things that uh, stood out to me on this one. Uh, a, the fact that you guys got your hand caught in the cookie jar and you followed through. I, I You know, this is one of those where... I thought you would have to wait until the summer before trying again uh, on it. I, I didn't think you were actually going to be able to get it done mid-season uh, just because it looked like the talks had cooled off completely and that maybe someone else might swoop in on Van Dyke. The other uh, the other uh, shocker was the, the price tag. I mean, 
the seventy-five million just for the transfer fee alone, then the wages to push it over a hundred. Uh, that's where I was actually got off guard because you know I'm used to being in the Arsenal mindset of we only pay that much for offensive players. We're not paying a defender that much money. So I actually think it's a good sign that Klopp recognizes that I need help because. I can only teach so much in terms of tactics. I need someone that can actually grab someone by uh, the scruff of the neck, uh, just do what Vincent Company does for City, bark orders, tell them where you need to be, you need to guard the back post, you actually have to you know, mark a man from time to time, and actually, you know, whatever you do, don't do a deliberate back pass to a keeper when there's a defender right on, uh, when there's an attacking player right on your back. Which is also another problem that your team has suffered from for the last three years, it seems like. <laughs> oh, we, we love to overcomplicate things, especially in the back. All of those rules that you know you learn when you're five years old, don't pass the ball across your own you know, back line. Don't, uh, don't make passes that are loose in the back line. You know, make a strong pass, go out wide. We, we made one today. We passed it right down the middle, right, and just assumed – Matic assumed that Khan would make the run, right? That's not how it works. It, when you're making passes out of the back, and this is, you know, something yeah. that a, a midfielder a mid would make that kind of pass. And Matic is actually a midfielder that was conformed to a center back. So that'll tell you everything, right? Hey, uh, hey, hey. Uh, it worked for Milner perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I, look, it, it was a, a poor decision. And on top of being a poor decision, it was kind of compounded by the fact that he didn't pick up the man. So, you know, you can't you can't make those kind of sloppy mistakes in, in the first three minutes and expect not to be burned. Now, we got we got three points. I don't know how we got three points. It was basically Salah took the uh, took our team and put him on yeah. <laughs> put him on our back, you know? Is it, some of his uh, skill in that game, his ability to hold the ball up, his strength, his uh, his dribbling his composure, it was, I mean, uh, amazing to watch. Absolutely brilliant. Our best player by far um, today, and I think, you know, I, I, I think that we're kind of leaning on him a little too much. He's, he's definitely got the highest number of minutes for a Liverpool player, and, uh, you know, he, he can't keep running like this in the, in the Premier League. It, it will catch up to you, especially with all these games. Um, so I think the, the kind of criticism on Klopp of, about his rotation policy. Yeah. I think if he rotated Salah, you know, we might be in trouble. I think he's managed it well so far, but we're going to have to figure out a, you know, a second uh, kind of player here to take over his uh, his role when he steps out of the lineup in a starting starting role. Yeah, I, I'm actually curious on uh, this front as well because I really thought that Mane, uh, just off of the year he had last year, that Klopp would have found ways of getting him more engaged. And, you know, again, you know, he it's something just seems a little bit off with him this year because, you know, even going back to Boxing Day, uh, didn't really feature all that much in the game against Swansea. I thought that was a good opportunity uh, to give Salah a rest and let Mane feature more just to get his confidence back up because of how weak Swansea is on the back line. I thought that would have been a good opportunity to get a little rotation in. Uh, but, you know, it seems as though Mane has been like the kind of lost man in the mix of uh, Salah because you know where I stand on Salah. It's like you, you guys need to start calling him King Mo or come up with some 
uh, royalty-based nickname just because of how dominant he's been in the Premier League this there's year. Only, there's only one king for any I, Liverpool fan, and that's yeah, King Kenny. I know, I know, I know it's Kenny. You know, Prince Salah or something like that, and even that, then you draw comparisons right to King Kenny, and that's uh, them's, them's lofty goals, you know. Um, maybe, you know, the little pharaoh, because uh, Egypt's the little pharaohs, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe Pharaoh Mo. I like that. Maybe that would work, but uh, yeah, there's. It, look, I think the thing with uh, with Mane is he had the cruciate ligament injury. When he came back, he you know he was kind of testing out his knee. I think he, you know you could see there were moments where he could have kind of turned on the Jets a little bit more, and he pulled up a little bit. Um, in other moments, he would kind of turn it on. So you could see it was you know here and there. Whereas the year before, it was just go go go. Right, so a little bit there, um, and then also there were some decision-making problems. I think on the on the match before uh, the Swansea match, uh, he made a bad decision instead of uh, passing. You know, he took a, a poor angled shot, missed, and uh, I think that that kind of sealed it because he puts that in. Um, it was kind of an open net for Firmino. He could have just squared it. it. That that ball goes in. We get you know two more points. Turned out to be a draw. Doesn't work out so well for us. Yeah. All right. So I mean, like it stands as it stands, Liverpool's in top four. Let's uh, let's kind of go through the table as it stands. So we've got the juggernaut that is Manchester City, just rolling through the league. Uh, Nineteen wins, one draw. I mean, the highest goal scorer in any uh, of any team in any league in Europe. I mean, goal differential almost fifty points now. I mean, it's it's ridiculous how much better City is at this point to every other team in the league. Uh, and I would say that you know we're exaggerating, except for the fact that literally when you watch games, they're they're just dominating the midfield and on the back line, which was the era you used to be able to catch City. Uh, they're not making the same mistakes uh, that they were. They're they're actually more comfortable passing out of the back. So. You know, even when you try to put pressure on them, and that's, to me, that's the only way you're going to beat City is you have to put pressure on them. You have to at least make sure you don't give up uh, any giveaways, but you have to make them work for it. I mean, the only uh, the only issue with City was that company left with an injury uh, uh, the other day, uh, so it looks like he might miss some time. But uh, Otamendi has been on point as, as a center half, so... You know, as it stands right now, I, you know, it's a 13-point lead. I, I don't know what else you could say other than they're winning the title this year unless everyone gets injured. I mean, that's that's about it. <laughs> I don't know wh- how you feel about it, but I just think this league title is over, and literally we're not even, uh, <laughs> we haven't hit January yet, and I think the league is over at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to crown them right now. Um every pundit saying, look, they're running away with it. They're the best, you know, team since blah, 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 whatever. Oh, well, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not go, I'm not going on that train of thought where you say they're the greatest of all time. I'm just saying from the yeah. standpoint of the amount of games you need to catch them on, given that how weak the bottom half of the league is, I just don't see how you make up 13 points at this stage. It, to me, it just, it just it, seems it too big. I think the biggest, the hardest part about it is that there, there's nobody that's 
close to them or looks like they could get close to them because their form is spotty as well, right? It, it, yeah. uh, I saw another team that maybe, uh, you know, were impressive, they were, they were just getting unlucky, something like that. Maybe then I'll, I'll say, yeah, they could get caught. But nobody's catching them because it seems like they're on another plane, not because I think that they're the greatest team ever, but because I think the teams below them are you know, just a, a tier below. That's not to say that, uh, you know, they're... Uh, they're the greatest team in the Premier League and ever, and you know they're they're not going to lose a game and whatever else. I just uh, I don't see another contention. That's that's the real thing here. So they're a great team, obviously, because they're well above everybody else. They're a fantastic team, really, um, and everything's kind of clicking for them. They're winning some hard games. They're winning some you know easy games. They're they're getting kind of that nice mix where they win it a few different ways. Uh, and that's you know that's what champions do, right? Yeah. Says I, you know champions win games in different ways, and they've found ways to do that. You know, some one nil things like that. Um, yeah. To... What's so impressive is that they just they seem to have this air of confidence, right? They're 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 lighting it up, and everyone seems to be happy. Um, and Pep is mixing it up a little bit. We'll see what happens with uh, Mangala and. Uh, and how he how he kind of fills in for company. Yeah, uh, um, I mean, it, it, yeah, like I said, the the company injury might be the one saving grace they have. I mean, the weird part was, you know, in in midweek, uh, you know, you had Newcastle. I thought Newcastle played maybe their best game of the year, and at no point did I think City was dropping any points. I mean, I, I thought Newcastle played their hearts out. I just didn't think City was dropping any points. They won the game one nil, but. I thought that was the best game Newcastle played all year, and yeah, that's and that's one of those trap games you look yeah, at. I, th- I think it, that's I think that's spot on. I, what you know, I also think is Newcastle is is maybe two tiers below where you know uh, Man City is, so they didn't they didn't really need that much. And Rafa kind of he, he keeps games he can keep games tight. Yeah. If, if you know a, a goal gets in early and some heads drop, there's nothing that he can manage there. You know. And the skill level on the team, even though they, they ripped up the championship, that's a team that, you know, it cries out championship team. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's no money there. Mike Ashley's selling. He's not putting any money into the team. they got a center forward, Hopsalu, who's not doing anything. You know, they've got Dwight Gale off the bench. That's the, kind of their best second option. Yeah. They- and, uh, and John Joe Shelby's probably their best player, and they – Stay on the field because he gets a red card every you know every three games. Yeah, no. On the field, red card off the field. On the field, red card off the field. Yeah, John Joe is is someone who is best left as a a reserve player on a Premier League team, and he's a starter on a Championship team without a doubt. He's going to be one of your best players on a Championship team. But uh, you know, even from his Liverpool days, I was never really that sold on him. Uh, just from the standpoint of he tends to pick up cards that you look at and you're like, I kind of need you to be solid here, buddy. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what to get from you week to week. So Newcastle's one of those teams where I keep waiting for the sale to happen and it hasn't happened yet. And now we're in January. Rafa's got his hands tied behind his back. He's in 16th spot. But honestly, if it wasn't Rafa managing this team, I'd say this team was going to get relegated. I think Rafa keeps them up by the shoestring budget he's operating under. But, you know, it, it, it's going to be a grind. <laughs> oh, I, I absolutely agree with you there. I think that Rafa is the reason why they're sitting where they are. 
Um, and that's not to say that they're sitting in a good position, but I think that it's mainly because of his tactics, the way that he plays, you know, the, his organizational skills, his preparation game after game. And uh, I think that a, a lot of the Thune Army, they, they feel that way about him. You know, that there's a lot of pundits that say that, oh, you know, like they, they did so great in the championship, so why are they doing so poorly? This has got to be a managerial thing. Uh, but if you listen to, you know, the Toon Army, and all those Geordies are saying, it's Rafa. Rafa's keeping us in a, in a good position, and our players aren't good enough. You know, and I, I agree with them. They're they're fine. They're fine players. Uh, but they probably need two or three players that are yeah. they, they, real, they, 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 they uh, need it. They need quality it. to kind of take them out of a, the uncomfortable yeah, they, zone that they're in. Yeah, they need a striker up top that can actually uh, push the pace and make it. I think that's what they thought they had in Josalu. It's just that it just hasn't materialized. So they need a guy that can actually be... Actually, you know who would be a signing uh, that I think is on, would still be relatively cheap for Premier League level, but I think would actually fit their system? I, I would actually say uh, Giovinco. To, to me... It, that screams like you need someone that operates in the la- in the vein of a Jermaine Defoe. Obviously, Defoe's on Bournemouth, but like to me, Giovinco would actually fit well with uh, what Newcastle tries to do because they try to keep it compact and they just need to hit you with a a quick hitter, like when you're not suspecting with a, just a burst of speed, and just need someone who can finish clinically in the final third. <laughs> uh, now, now we're getting in to where Rafa has his weaknesses. Now, if he had a player like Giovinco. He would only use him half the time. Oh well, he's yeah. Kind of a, he's a flash player. He's a flare player, and his final, you know, he's he's not a he's not a world beater either. No, he's a great player, and in the MLS, you know, he's yeah. by far, you know, one of the one of the best players there. But uh, you know, the Premier League is obviously yeah, a no, it, completely different animal. And well, they, well, that's you know, what the way the Rafa plays. He doesn't he doesn't like those players that are off and on and here and there and maybe maybe right. Basically, uh, he is, uh, what's his name on, on Soap, um, uh, the Swiss player, uh, Kiri. Oh, yeah, yeah, Shakiri, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. But, like, to me, like, when you're trying to stay up, you need that guy who could just, uh, you just need him for, like, 30 minutes, tops. Okay, may- maybe he plays the entire second half in a big game that you need the, the three points in. But to me, oh, yeah, th- that's the guy you... you yeah. He, can, he can give you nine points more than you would have had in the beginning of the year, and that, in a lot of scenarios, is enough to keep you up, a player like that. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty decent shout there. But there's a lot of teams that need forwards. I mean, oh. Look at Southampton. They have nothing <laughs> going forward. Uh, Jane uh, Long is uh, I, he's not scoring anytime soon. He had a guilt-edge chance this, uh, this, this last game that he had against United. You, you know... You know Southampton fell into the trap of ice, and I and I said it before originally when this happened like two years ago when Charlie Austin broke out for QPR that someone was going to get left holding the bag when the bubble bursts and his form ends because I, I know you kind of felt this way about Jamie Vardy but I think Vardy is just a different type of player where he he has a different a little bit of style I think uh, Charlie Austin's more just a straight up championship level type of striker but when he's in a good uh, run of form yeah he can keep you up it's just that long term in the season 
you're not going to win with a player like that. And I think Southampton's been caught in that trap of, oh, well, we've we've got Che Long and we've got Charlie Austin. And it's like, yeah, you got Che Long and Charlie Austin. And their valuation of those players is far different than what anyone else is expecting out of them. And they at, honestly believe that those guys will be good enough to keep them up. And, I, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, yeah, Southampton's struggling because they don't have a forward that strikes fear into anyone. I mean, they have decent midfield play. I mean, they're even though they sold Van Dyke, they're not that bad defensively, but they have no final third product that, you know, is going to intimidate anyone. So to me, you can press up on Southampton because, okay, what are they going to do? Counterattack me? I'm, I'm not worried about the Southampton's counterattack. They're not, uh, I mean, they're, they're a team that can hit, hurt me from set pieces and uh, if I get, if I go down a man, they can pick me apart with good passing. Yeah, that that that's what I'm worried about with Southampton. I'm not worried about them if they're hitting me on a counterattack. So to me, that invites pressure on a team like that, and that's where they've been struggling. I mean, you know, uh, looking at the run of form, I I think Southampton uh, that was a that was actually a big draw for them uh, going to into Old Trafford and getting the draw. But again, part of that is. Uh, Manchester United, we'll, we'll get into them a, a bit because I know we talked about them earlier. But, um, uh, you know, the issue with uh, Manchester United, they need to be more aggressive with Southampton. And Southampton was just begging for a draw in that game because they knew they, they weren't going to do anything offensively. So, uh, you know, Southampton's a team that definitely needs to buy. Now that they've, uh, they've got the money from Liverpool, uh, they've got to make some purchases uh, because... Again, yeah, they they have to use that seventy five mil. I mean, it, their forward line, uh, you know, is is not where it needs to be. Shane Long starting, he was always a, a big part player before. They have Gabbiadini, who didn't really work out. They were starting him in the beginning of the year. Yeah, that didn't really work out. I was surprised to see him off the bench today. I don't know if Charlie Austin's injured. Or yeah, it, well, I actually, I think it. No, no, no. Um. Austin uh, had a violent conduct, so he's he's still uh, he's still on suspension. Nope, nope. He has a hamstring tear as well. Oh, he's got a ham. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that is that is not good news for them at all. Um, so yeah, so putting on Gabbiadini was, I guess, their their only option in that in that match. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it just kind of piles on the 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 need for some uh, some some signings here. And offensive signings, they still seem very solid in the back. And Yoshida did a good job in this game, um, and they looked they looked solid throughout the entire game. I don't think that they gave up many shots, not many quality shots. They were good in the air. They seem a solid unit under Pellegrini, and you know that's that's kind of what he's known for, right? Kind of bringing in a, a solid base um, to most teams as a, as a number two. That was always his role. It seems like he's he's bringing in a solid base, but they need they need some quality there. Yeah, you know, well, this is, this is another team that needs some quality. Well, um, I mean, getting it in January is tough. Yeah, I mean, the Southampton model has always been you know they try to build from the youth academy and then just reinvest uh, once they sell off players. But to me, like when they sold off Mane, you know, I'm not sure if they underestimated how much Mane did for them, but. You know, you know they let Mane go and they let Pellet go. So, you know that was like two thirds of their offense, and 
you know, they've been trying to, like, pigeonhole it ever since. And, you know, that's why they went after Austin and they brought in Che Long. But, uh, you know, I I, I kind of look at it and I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you are what you are. And, like, right now you've got championship-level strikers. And, you know, you got Premier League talent elsewhere on the field. But, you know, if you're not scoring goals, yeah, you're going to find yourself in a relegation battle. And that's exactly where they are. Yeah, so, I mean, let's see, like, uh, who else do, I mean, yeah, we, we, we could, we could talk about the best of the rest right now, I mean, uh, Chelsea, you know, they're, they're getting into better form, I mean, again, the, the issue I see with Chelsea, and, um, maybe you'll see with me, uh, you know, the more I look at Chelsea, the more, I, I just feel as though Conti just does not enjoy, the position that he's in. I don't know what it is about being at Chelsea that it's the pressure of working for Roman, but you know, it, it's been a quiet year in terms of purchases uh, on the team. Uh, William also doesn't seem to be happy with his role on the team. I don't really blame him because he should be playing more, but you know, like something's that, just... that is dangerous right there. I think that William has been one of their, one of their best performers for the last few years. And yeah. He is, Oh yeah, I, not just in the Premier League. There's there's a lot of teams that could use a player like that. And so keeping him happy is something that Chelsea fans would definitely want. Oh please, if I mean again, if Arsenal like was run by you know not a <laughs> not an old man that's been using the same tactics for twenty years, but you know an actual board, he would be one of the targets to actually go after as a substitute for Ozil because to me. Williams a much more well-rounded player as Ozil, and his passing ability is highly underrated. To me, that would be uh, a direct substitute for Ozil if you were going after someone aggressively and you weren't looking abroad to other leagues. William would be a perfect fit for Arsenal, but, you know, I, I always look at that as, like, I, I, I can always think it, but I don't bother, like, pursuing those avenues because I know it's not going to happen. But, yeah, William is a guy that... It's highly underrated, but again, you know, it seems to me, and I mean, because, you know, like the list of players that have been in Chelsea's system, De Bruyne, Salah, I mean, the sheer number, I mean, you can go back a couple of years with Lukaku, like the amount of players who passed through Chelsea's academy, you'd you'd swear that Chelsea should have won the league three times as many, uh, three times as much as they actually did. I mean, the amount of talent that they actually let go through the door just because of uh, whoever's running the fiefdom at the time. Now, Conti seems to be more reasonable in terms of how he manages players. I mean, yeah, he had the dust-up with Costa, but Costa is just that kind of guy that winds up managers. But, uh, you know, to me, it seems as though Conti is, like, under the gun at Chelsea. And, you know, from the standpoint of there seems to be a lot of internal strife at the team, and... You know, every story, it seems like, you know, and it's, of course, you yeah, you can always take the London tabloids with a grain of salt. But, you know, if you see enough stories, there seems to be enough fire that leads you to believe that Conte might actually leave at the end of the year, which you would think is insane considering he just won the title last year 
and he's 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 uh, very well positioned to finish in second this year. But you know, he just doesn't look happy. <laughs> that's that's life under Roman. You know, nothing is set in stone when it comes to Chelsea. There's a reason why you know uh, the the moniker uh, the the Rent Boys is, is being thrown around. Yeah. You know, that they're also. I mean, look, they have the David Luiz situation that they have to deal with. Yeah. That's that's going to be interesting. Right, to to watch uh, if William's unhappy, that's really going to be a problem. Fabregas is getting older. Yep. Pedro is getting older. You know, you uh, you have this this set of players that is you know some good, some bad, some indifferent. Uh, I think he's I think he's punching above his weight where he is with his current squad. I don't think that you know what what he did last year was um, was incredibly, uh, you know, great, amazing kind of job, but he did a, a really good job getting them a title. Yeah, we'll uh, see. They, I, you know, they didn't have some things that yeah. going on. They didn't have Champions League going on. And uh, and the, the number of players that they have at their disposal, the, the quality that they have, the amount of money that they have, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna spot in here. But do I think that a guy like Victor Moses belongs on uh, a team like Chelsea? No, I, I don't. No. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that uh, that Danny Drinkwater is really up to the task of being a, a proper uh, that, that that's uh, one that, full time player. You know, that's and, still the signing that's uh, ha- has me scratching my head. Was the Drinkwater signing? I, I just I'm I'm still trying to figure out what his role on that team is. I know he got a goal today, but I you know okay. It was a good <laughs> goal too. It was an impressive goal, but it was his first goal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's it's just one of those where it just seems weird how Chelsea operates. I mean, the title run last year I thought was more of a function of hey they they don't hate their manager they're actually trying this year so yeah they're they're back to being engaged. But to me, like the I thought that Chelsea was going to be better positioned this year to fend off a challenge uh, from because I saw the City challenge coming. It's just that I thought Chelsea would have been in a better position to start the year, and, you know, it just wasn't there. I mean, the defense well, the look, defense was on the know, same level. Roman going, Roman going through a divorce, that, uh, yeah. that changed a lot of things, you know. Their, their core of Eden Hazard and, uh, and David Luiz and, and Costa that's, and William kind of spotting in there, that, that changed. You're getting rid of Matic, right? What, what are you doing there? That's, you know, kind of silly stuff. Uh, their core has been completely kind of thrown away, and it's impressive what he's done to get into second, given yes. you know, what they picked up and what, they, what they're kind of sitting with. Uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with, with what Conte is doing. Uh, you know, I, kind of looking at this year, I didn't think that they would kind of have – I thought that they would have a, a lapse because, you know, it's that uh, we won the championship last year. We're still in celebration mode. Where Chelsea's, you know, it's not like uh, it's not like they have the those like those players that have like the heart and desire to win yeah. every year and whatever else, right? It's not. Well, we'll it's see. Not kind of their core. Well, see, that was the thing that I thought was going to be different with Conte is the fact that you know he's he's not someone that plays the mind games like Mourinho. He he's not someone that's going to grind you to a pulp, but at the same time, he he wants you to put in the effort every week. So. He tries to keep you engaged. It's just that I, it, to me, it feels as though Conti is like pulling teeth this year, 
And I don't know if it's just like kind of keeping the team together or if he's dealing with the board and Roman. It, I mean, it it just feels as though he, he has like so much other things on his plate that every time, I mean, literally for Boxing Day, when he gave the interview, I, it looked like he was coming out of a prison camp because he, he literally had like, he had like the Belichick hoodie on. He hadn't shaved in like five days. He didn't look like he slept in ten I mean, like I said, it's like he didn't look like a Premier League manager. He looked like someone who literally just got out of a prison. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely wearing on him. I think I think something something's going on behind the scenes, and uh, and that's going to be interesting to watch because, like I said before, I'm not super impressed with uh, with their squad in general. I think that he's doing an amazing job though with what he's got right now, and and kind of new new signings in. Trying to get a center forward acclimated to uh, a little bit of aggression in the Premier League uh, is not something that's that's easy. Baki Yoko is still kind of feeling hit, his way hit or miss. The he's, yeah, he's not, he's not lighting it on fire, you know. And uh, you know, everyone's getting a little older. Yeah, Fabregas is getting a little older. And Pedro's getting a little older. Yeah, but Baki Yoko has been a bit of a disappointment because I actually thought he would be one uh, a guy to watch where. He actually could light the league on fire and just uh, be the guy that no one was really talking about, but then ended up being like the breakout star. I mean, there's still there's still a possibility for that in some of the other club competitions if he catches fire. But yeah, I, I thought he had a couple opportunities to like kind of seize the moment uh, with Morata being in and out of the lineup, and it just didn't really click. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. even and even with a hazard out, it you know I, I still think he had a couple opportunities. Uh, uh, to shine and you know, he, I mean, he had his cup of tea. I mean, he didn't he didn't embarrass himself. It's just he didn't really do himself any favors of keeping himself in the starting eleven either. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, maybe it's him getting used to the league. Maybe you know, the best is yet to come from him. Hopefully, that's the case if you're a Chelsea fan. Um, but like I said, I think that Conte is punching above where maybe his his team should be, and that's you know. With a completely different four of players, apart from Hazard and uh, Aspilicueta and uh, and Williams. Yeah. So moving on, because uh, I got the. Uh, I know we're um, already like spent a half hour going through teams, but you know, what are your thoughts on Man U at this point? Because you had a draw today against Southampton, where. You know, Pogba, again, you know, we talk about it, and it's just, it gets more apparent every single week that he's not the player that Man U paid for, but, you know, Mourinho doesn't like to admit that he made a mistake, so he's coming up with different excuses every week. Uh, You know, last week was he he didn't have enough money for the board. This week is he likes the mentality of the players. You know, he, he comes up with different excuses to try to spin the situation. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that they've got two wins in their last seven. They got bounced out of uh, a cup to Bristol City of all teams. Uh, you know, you're, 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 not, you're not in a rough patch of fixtures either. I mean, yeah, they, they had such a hot start that they're still third in the table. But, you know, the way I'm looking at it, uh, Liverpool, Spurs, and Arsenal are right on their heels. Uh, in about a month's time, they could actually be overtaken by 
all three of those teams, if they don't figure out a way of uh, putting points together, because they got a matchup against Everton, uh, and Everton's playing better. So if you can't get a goal against Southampton, Everton might actually uh, take all three points at home on uh, New Year's Eve. Or New Year's Day, yeah. rather. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, Mourinho is going to Mourinho. He has, uh, he has those moments where he needs to blame the players. He has moments to blame uh, the referee, pitch, the fans in the stands, you know, anything that he can come up with. And it, it, he uses all of those in different moments. Right? If he wants to get a little bit more out of the team, he might, you know, call out someone on the team. If he thinks that, you know, it didn't go well and they, they're playing the right way, right, he might say that it's uh, something else, you know, the referee or whatever else. He, he's not he's not as, uh, you know, as silly as people, you know, make him out to be. Oh, you know, uh, he's complaining about a handball, you know, decision that didn't go his way. He is doing that to relieve some pressure off of his players. You know, it's like a 33rd minute, a, a ball up in the air, Rashford's foot is above his, uh, his weight. And, you know, the ball nicked off of somebody's hand. It's not going towards the goal. It's not going to be a goal. But he wants a, he wants a penalty in the 33rd yeah. minute. It doesn't go in. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that's the biggest talking. Yeah. Thing, right? the, yeah. I mean, to me, it was just reeking of desperation because, uh, again, that happened in the 33rd minute. I mean, you got 60 minutes left to go in the game against a team that, as we went at length about, struggles to score goals. If you press them, you can you can turn the ball over and score on them. They're not going to hit you on a counterattack. So, again, you know, Man use inability to score, and, you know, Lukaku went off of an injury, but to me it wouldn't have mattered because he missed a dead set header in the middle of the box. And it it wasn't the first time. It's happened multiple times in the last month where he's missing point blank shots. And you know, as much as we were kind of ragging on uh, Abramovich last year of how many bunnies he was converting, then everyone's raving, ranting, and raving. You know, if you get a bunny, you gotta convert the bunny. I mean, Lukaku's not doing that. excuse Mourinho gave that he said Zlatan's not going to be back for a month and I'm like Zlatan's gone for a month and no one knows about it it's like what is going on where he's keeping mum about long-term injuries if Zlatan's out for a month and you're in the January window I call I call BS on that I, I I'm like really you, you, you didn't want to announce that because to me 
uh, that puts even more pressure on changing the formation once Lukaku goes out of the game. If you can't bring, uh, you can't bring on Zlatan, you need to change the formation. To me, Manu was never in formation. Was picture perfect for Southampton. The way that the way that it, this is this is a game that you can put solely on Mourinho and the way that he manages a game. You have Lukaku as your center forward. Now you want to put Rashford straight down the middle. Why? Someone tell me why Rashford is a center forward. Yeah, he, he had like four goals to his name last year. He's not. A, he's not finishing. He, he's not even the second he, highest goal scorer. He had he's not third highest goal scorer on the team. But you're going to play him down the middle. Okay, fine. If you when you do that, that pushed Mkhitaryan out on the left. We saw all of his crosses the first the first half. Garbage, yeah. way over the box. He, uh, he did it three, four he times. Was, then they were doing short corners. He was so off yards. today. And uh, again, four terrible, terrible cross. And those were a short corner that, that were set up for him. Quick little pass out, right? So you change your formation. You have to now push Mkhitaryan out to the left. He realized that he made a mistake. So he, he put in Martial, and he put him on the left. Why? He has more goals. <laughs> Marsh, Marcia, yeah, the, the, again, this is the part where Mourinho was just driving me out the wall because I'm like, I, I, I mean, as, as an Arsenal fan, I, I love it when United just like throws away points, but at the as same time, fan, I loved it. I mean, I'm watching this and I'm like, you know, Martial needs to be right down the middle. These other guys need to be on the wings, feeding him the ball and at least causing some issues. Drop Mkhitaryan back in the midfield. Let him uh, let him drop because he couldn't cross to save his life. Bring up Pogba, and we talk about Pogba being making terrible de- uh, decisions on the final third and on his own end. But at the same time, you know, if you're looking to score a goal, he's still your best creator technically. So why is he so far back with Matic? It doesn't make any sense. It's like. You know Southampton struggles for goals, so why are you that worried that Pogba's going to make a turnover? Either Pogba plays in the position that he he can do best to actually get you a goal, or don't play him at all. I mean, that's that's the decision Arsenal makes with Ozil every single time we play him. You got to play him up. That's the only position he he can help you in. He's going to hurt you, but you got to work your team around. And Mourinho just refuses to do it, so he just buries. Uh, Pogba in the back with Matic, hoping that Matic uh, can do what Carrick did last year and just like baby him. But you know that only go takes you so far, and then you get games like today where you need a goal because no one else is really coming up with anything, and he's so far back that he can't create anything. Pogba and Matic are redundant. Matic is the better player in a defensive midfielder role. He. Doesn't do any of the fancy back heel. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, dribble particularly well, but he doesn't give up the ball. He makes the right tackle. He's never out of position. He wins headers. You don't need another person that's just like him playing. You know, Hollywood balls over the top, taking shots from distance that go way over over the crossbar. No need for that. You play Southampton 
too, because it's, you know, uh, Pogba's boot, you know, sales will go down. His, uh, his, he won't be able to dab every five minutes or whatever else, you know. <laughs> he's got to protect his brand, so he's going to throw a, a fit, go on Instagram and uh, get upset. But if I was a Man United fan, I'd know that Pogba was the reason, along with Mourinho and his tactics right now, that's what's not working. And I have to say, on, on the goal, that should have been a goal, Pogba was insanely greedy to try and take that goal. It had already passed the keeper. All you have to do <laughs> is get your boot on the back post, make sure that it doesn't miss. It didn't miss. It was going in. You stab it home. You lose the point. Yeah. You are the reason why. Sorry, sir. You're not on the field. I think a 10-man Man United would have won that game, and, uh, and Pogba did not add anything for me, and he hasn't uh, for pretty much since he's been on the field. There's also some other redundancies there. You have Mkhitaryan and Mata, similar style players, similar yep. roles. I don't, I don't see why the two of them should ever be on the field together. So many redundancies on that team. Obviously tearing it up, and he's been kind of their, their best attacking threat. Um, apart from, you know, Lukaku when he can put the ball in the back of the net, but he's so streaky that, you know, you, you either get good Lukaku or bad Lukaku, and so goes Man United when it's bad Lukaku, and now he's going to be out for another match, and I kind of think he went down and wanted to stay down because he does not want to go to Everton and hear it from them in the next match. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding there, but, you know. I, I mean, yeah. But I, I mean, but it's kind of the story of Lukaku, where you know everyone always talks about it, and, it, and you know it always comes down to is like when you need him in the middle part of the year to put up numbers, he's the invisible man. I mean, it's been you know it, it's kind of the reason why he got run out of Chelsea, uh, even though he was young. It, it, it seemed to be the reason why they they weren't that interested because it looked like he was disengaged, you know. He did it for years at Everton where you'd have these games where you're like, oh, wow, Lukaku. It's like, you know, why did Chelsea give up on this guy? And then he would disappear for a month, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's why. And he kept doing that yo-yo act, and now he's at Manchester United, and it's the same story again. And, you know, uh, you know I, I kind of talk about it I where... I think that that's what he is. I think know, that that's what he is. I think he is a streaky center forward. They exist. They have existed since there have been center forwards. Yeah. I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. And, uh, you know, it is what you get with him. And whether or not that's good enough for Man U is something that Man U fans can, you know, debate. But I think they bought exactly what he is, and that's what he's giving them right now. This is not something that uh, is different from anything that we've seen before. So if you're confused why he's not putting the ball in the back of the net, you know, in certain in certain matches. I mean, it it, it just of him. yeah, no, it, it just it is. I I think you're on point with that. It just seems to be what he is. He's just a very inconsistent player. It's just that's what it comes down to. It's like yeah, if he's on, he's on. But if he's, if he's off, you know, within the first ten minutes of the game, and there's not much else that you can do about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's there's another little talking point. A little, a little naughty boy uh, scenario where Young threw an elbow into the oh, yeah, of the yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Young has been 
very useful for them. Yeah, he, he he's a, he, surprisingly yes, yeah, so he's adapted to that wingback role uh, very well. So yeah, that would actually be a pretty bad loss if uh, he got a three uh, a three game ban for that. Because I mean, again, you know, to me that's one of those where it's like it's more gamesmanship than anything else. I mean, I you know, yeah, an elbow to the to the stomach hurts, but. It's not life threatening, is like as if it was throw, throwing an elbow to the head or anything like that. Uh, I, I just think he was just trying to battle for position and was just trying to give, uh, give the nudge to. Oh, you you good there? Absolutely, I, I think that's exactly right. He was just trying to create a little bit of space. Now, the funny thing is that the FA has in the past for these kind of like innocuous, you know, little little shoves, little throws, uh, elbows, and whatnot. They kind of have taken uh, taken the stance of giving giving the bans, and you know nobody can predict what the what the FA is going to do. I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that Nostradamus could could uh, predict what the FA is going to do with some of these. But there's a there were a few more banging around the league. You had uh, Naughton had a had a stamp um, that was caught on on video. So we'll see if if something comes out of that. And then you know Vardy. With a with kind of a flying elbow as he was jumping, you could say he's protecting himself, but it wasn't kind of a straight jump up and down. It's kind of coming across and drew blood from uh, from Mackett. So I, I don't actually think that any of these things will be picked up. Maybe the stamp. Um, I think that that's that's kind of the biggest one, and uh, the FA is probably going to turn a blind eye to the other ones. I I wouldn't imagine that Young gets anything or uh, or uh, Vardy either. Yeah. All right. Uh, just because we're running up on time here, uh, I want to get into uh, Spurs and Arsenal. Because the way I'm looking at these two teams is uh, tied on points at 37. But the issue I see, and it's uh, twofold. One for Spurs, Harry Kane is playing out of his mind, and yet they still only sit at fifth. I mean, they're, and I, and I kind of said it from the outset of the year that I had issues with Spurs this year where I wasn't sold on them making top four, even though they have so much talent, there seems to be something off of this team. And it's like they have a good manager. They have good players. I mean, they have they have an organization in place that seems like they want to be engaged, but there is still something off with this team where, and Car- Carlos thinks I'm, I'm being biased, but there's just something off with Spurs as a team and just as a club where they don't necessarily get the results that they should be getting. It's like they're not greedy enough. And the fact is that Harry Kane set the record for most goals in the Premier League in a calendar year. He broke the Allen Shearer record, so he, uh, I mean, and, and smashed it with a hat trick, no less. But at the same time, there's just something off about this team where they should be better than where they are on the table. And, you know, I fully expected them to get rolled on by City. And... Honestly, City should not have rolled them up. That's the thing. But there's something about that team where they don't seem to have, and I look at it, they don't have the tenacity to win those tough games against the clubs that they need to win against. And that's my biggest knock on the team. They have the talent, and they have the coaching. I just don't think they have the mentality to win those games. (laughs) Yeah, look, maybe maybe it's the Wembley effect. Maybe it's the fact that uh, that guys like Kyle Walker and you know have left and maybe uh, maybe talk to them a 
about their wages and you know what they're what they're currently getting. My you know my kind of inclination is that it's a, a little bit of both. Uh, playing in Wembley is a, a, a different animal, um, and then also you know when you're not paying your players and there's a little bit of uh, you know uncertainty in the locker locker room, even if it's just one or two players that are upset about it. It can kind of it can kind of throw off the whole the whole vibe. What I was talking about before with Man City is it seems like they're all having fun. Yeah. It doesn't seem like Tottenham's all having just having a good time. And hey, Hurricanes having a great time. Here. So <laughs> it, they don't look like a bunch of happy lads, you know. They they don't look so so good. Deli Ali is you know been uh, a ghost for for the most most of the year. Um, yep. I, I, I think part I think part of that is the league catching up with him, uh, just because I I still think there are some areas where he needs to refine his game, just so he doesn't end up as the prototypical English middle field uh, uh, midfielder where you know you can pressure him to his weaker side and he can't really do anything about it. And and I think that's at the stage of his career right now where he has to figure that uh, part of the game out where how he can be effective when he's forced to his weaker side and being able to uh, maneuver around that. Yeah, it, it's particularly an issue for all the players that like to dribble, right? Yeah. You know, you, you get guys like Xavi who are one-footed players, you know, uh, but they are n- not dribbling one-footed players. Even Messi has got balance on his, on his weaker foot, you know, quote-unquote weaker foot. He still is at a higher level than most players on that weaker foot. Yeah. Um, and players like Deli Ali, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to learn how to how to dribble and hold the ball with both feet. It's a it's an English curse. You know, it's something that they <laughs> that has plagued them for a long period of time. Uh, and and their scouting is not very good when it comes to that stuff. I go back to guys like David Bentley who, you know, were supposed to light the world on fire, but guess what? He's only got one foot and everyone knows which one it is and you know, big crosses and things like that and you know, you you back off of him a little bit and you you sit deep, you can defend it pretty easy and then, you know, he doesn't have the pace to get behind you. Deli Alley has the pace, but now they're just showing him the other way. Yeah. Alright, so turning the page to the unhappiest team in the league, we got Arsenal. So of course the story's coming out again about uh, Alexis Sanchez uh, and just having dust up with teammates. The, the way I look at it is for Arsenal, we know Sanchez is leaving at the end of the year. I mean, it, it's it's a foregone conclusion. So everyone knew that the locker room was going to be bad. What people didn't anticipate was, and I kind of said it from the outset that Wenger would find a way to still just try to ingrain it that it's his way or the highway. Because you have Lacazette getting a little bit annoyed at his lack of playing time. Because he's getting subbed off in games where it's like there's still more goals to be had and he's getting subbed off. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of unhappy players on Arsenal right now. And this, the thing of it is, is that they're still in sixth, tied with Tottenham, and they still have not put out their best lineup yet. I mean, you still haven't seen a game where Lacazette, Giroud, and uh, Alexis are all playing together. You don't have uh, any uniformity with the defensive pairings because they're either hurt or not playing well, and Wenger's trying to throw out uh, someone new. So Maitland-Niles has been getting the rub 
Uh, now, even though he's closer to a midfielder than a defender, but, you know, he's trying out anything because uh, Arsenal doesn't have a back line uh, stability because Mustafi could be gone in January. He's been our best defender, and yet still we were trying to sell him, uh, uh, sell him at the outset of the year. So Arsenal is one of the unhappiest places to play, but as I told Carlos, there is no expectations on this season because of everyone knows this is going to be an overhaul year between Ozil and Sanchez. So at the end of the day, regardless of if the players get sold or not in January, they're going to be putting up numbers for Arsenal because they know it's just going to have a fattener paycheck next year. So to me, Arsenal plays with house money. That's the most dangerous team you can go up against because, again, if you got a bunch of guys that's gunning for, uh, uh, gunning for goals because they're looking at their next contract, that's a team that's just going to put up goals. They're not going to defend much. But if you sign one or two center backs in the uh, in the January window uh, from uh, so, some of these struggling teams that are just looking for cash, Arsenal's a team that can actually make top four. I'm not saying they will, but they actually have as good a shot as anyone because, again, when you play with no pressure because you're all you're caring about is how much money you're going to make next year, yeah, you're going to gun for stats and... Yeah, you can put on some really good performances against some of the weaker clubs, and that's the uh, that's the way Arsenal's schedule lines up. The second half of the year, Arsenal's schedule is not that bad compared to some of the other uh, top five clubs. So they actually have a decent shot of making top four just on the basis of if you kill the lower uh, the bottom half of the league, which is really bad, and you can get draws against uh, some of the other matchups. Yeah, they can actually end up uh, finding their way into the top four just for, on the basis alone that the schedule favors them over some of the other clubs of what they have to go through. Yeah, it, look, when we're uh, when we're recording this on, on uh, December 30th, Saturday, they are equal on points with Tottenham. They have basically split the games in uh, in 2017. You know, you have you had a, a 2-0 and. March, I think, and then another 2-0 going the other way. So, split games, 2-0, 2-0. And Harry Kane is currently Tottenham. You know, that that's, that is their team right now. Nobody wants to hear that, but it's true. And, uh, and you know, like that FC Harry Kane thing, is, uh, <laughs> it's, there's a reason. There's always some truth in, in those jokes. And uh, I, I really think that they're, you know, they're in that scenario. I didn't where Arsenal is right now, they're best to hold on to those two players. And maybe they, they re-sign Ozil. I don't think it'll happen with Sanchez. I think he wants Sa- out. Sanchez wants it, out. Ozil, they're you know, pro- he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a tough guy to have in the locker room anyway. I think, you know, he kind of overstayed his welcome in Barcelona. He, he wants to be on a team where he's going to play all the time. I don't think that's City. I don't think that they need him. You know, I, no, they actually don't. Sure that, that's 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 the interesting one. City really doesn't need him. So the talk of him joining City, I'm I'm actually very curious to see how that plays out because the way City's form is, you kind of look at it and you're saying, hmm, uh, I'm not entirely sure that uh, City because he's a very he's he. Uh, the 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 way someone described him, and it, it's kind of true. Would uh, say he's very political, but at the same time, uh, you know, he wear he wears it on his sleeve. So you know exactly what his thought process is when he's uh, 
uh, when he's pounding on the sideline. So it's like he can't he can't disguise his emotions. Yeah, and he's also used to being the guy. You know, at Barcelona he wasn't the guy. It didn't work out because he wasn't the guy. And guys like Pedro were getting time over him, and he didn't love that. You know, but the the reality is, for Chile he's obviously the guy. For Arsenal he's the guy, and. He's not going to be the guy on any of the teams that are so, so, you know, right now say that they're interested. So it would be interesting to see what's going to happen in the future with him. I think his best place is actually to stay at Arsenal. I don't think he will because he wants to go. Yeah. Uh, Ozil, I think you can re-sign. But not, not really interested in re-signing Ozil, but yes, Ozil would be open to re-signing. one can, can kind of steal that, that fourth spot because I think it's going to 
pop off and make it real interesting. Yeah, and just to touch upon that for a final point here, because, you know, talk about uh, the bottom half of the table, it, it's, it's honestly this year has been the death of the middle class in the EPL, because, I mean, if you look at it, uh, Leicester is in eighth place at 27 points. They are literally nine points removed from uh, West Ham in 18th spot. And there's just no separation of most of these teams. I mean, Watford's dropped a couple of games, but I think uh, Marco Silva uh, can coach that team out of uh, uh, the, the downward spell. Even though they got City coming up, uh, I think they'll be fine uh, the rest of the way, even though they're only at 25. But, I mean, you look at Huddersfield, Brighton, Southampton, Bournemouth, Stoke, Newcastle, Crystal, West Ham, Swansea, West Brom. I mean... Do you want to pick three teams that are going to get relegated at this point? Because I've I've got my three. Uh, I'm not sure where, where you feel because I mean they're all bunched in together. But I, I I'm the way I'm looking at this season is that I, I kind of look at it and say uh, between Stoke, Swansea, and basically it's a toss up uh, between uh, it's a it's a toss up between Brighton because they don't play aggressive enough for my in my opinion. And uh, uh, basically, uh, uh, it's going to be between Brighton and Huddersfield. Uh, I think West Ham, even though I don't really have much confidence in Moyes as a manager, I think that eventually they have enough players on that team to get the points that they need. But it, it's really between, like, uh, like I said, Swansea I think is just doomed because of, it seems like the, their management is just pocketing cash. Because uh, they don't seem to be doing anything that elicits any kind of confidence. I, I think they're more prepping for the drop and just hoarding cash while they can instead of trying to fight off relegation. Uh, then you got Stoke where uh, basically Mark Hughes, I think, is going to be out the door in about two two or three weeks. I think they're going to bring in someone uh, to handle the January transfer window uh, because that team just looks rudderless. They don't have an identity, and they're so old on the back line that I don't think they have any way of keeping goals out the net unless they change managers. Uh, because uh, Everton, Everton actually, to their credit, got wise to the fact that Ronald Koeman was already just like checked out of there and just brought in Big Sam just to shore up, uh, the, uh, shore up the back line and what they wanted to do. So Big Sam, you know, he's going to play boring football, but Everton will be fine. Even though they're only at 27, they'll be fine. They'll get to 40. They'll be in that 42 to 43 point range. I mean, they're not going to do much more than that, but it'll be that. But it's like, I look at some of these teams, and I'm saying to myself, Tony Pulis is going to be managing one of these clubs in the bottom half because there are a bunch of managers that are going to get fired. And it's just a crapshoot as to who drops. But I feel as though there, there's like room for someone like Tony Peel is to come in and just shore up a team for a couple of weeks just to keep them out of relegation. Because, again, there's not much separating these teams. And we talked about Newcastle with Rafa. I think Rafa keeps them up even though they're only a point out of the drop zone. I think he keeps them up just because he can tactically manage championship-level players just to stay up in this league. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think that, uh, I think that Newcastle will stay. Um, we'll see what happens in January if Mike Ashley actually sells the club and you know if they if they have any sort of time to get some players in uh, but I think they got enough there uh, Palace 
I, I, I told you. It's like, I was shocked when I saw Barahino out there. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that was one of the biggest wastes of money. <laughs> see the the way I look at Bournemouth is the type of team that they could either shoot themselves and go down or they could end up in 10th because they 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 it's like it's either all or nothing and sometimes you get nothing but you know the way that's just the way Eddie Howe believes it and you know as long as those players still believe in him I think they still stay up and they actually have a good run of form where they actually get up to that like forty-four point range, even though that's asking a lot, even though they're only at twenty, it's just one of those clubs where it, they just need to catch fire, and then they're gonna win like four games in a row. It's just one of those teams yeah. that it's like you know they just need to hit that run of games, and they'll be fine. It's just like it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say uh, Palace, Stoke, Southampton, uh, Bournemouth, and. You know, maybe, maybe Brighton. Uh, those are the ones that I'm really worried about. Obviously, West Ham and, and Newcastle are kind of in that mix, but I think that they got enough to, to get out. And uh, I think their managers are are good enough at this game uh, to, to kind of eke it out. They're not, you know, they are, they are survivors. They are the survivor managers. They, are, they do not have a... a ego about the way that they play um they will do whatever necessary to to keep their teams up so even though they're in bad positions right now uh, they are not in my picks to go down i I would say swansea and west brom and then any one of yeah about five teams there yeah what west brom's the the biggest head scratcher to me because for the life of me i'm still trying to figure out why they fired pulis when he was the best equipped to keep them from going into relegation I mean, yeah, I have no idea on that one. I mean, I was like, I know they weren't scoring goals, but it's like, what did you think was going to happen when you uh, gave up Pulis? Because now you're going to leap goals on the back lot side too. So, uh, it, it, I just don't see any way of rescuing West Brom at this point. That that's why I look at it as like they're almost sure to go down, and Swansea just doesn't have the players, and the organization doesn't look like they're even interested in staying up, which. Uh, well, I should say they're not interested in staying up. It's like they're not interested in spending money to stay up, is what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, with them getting rid of Tony Pulis, that side is a Tony Pulis side. You know, that's that's the other thing. You want to play a different way, you're going to have to fire that manager well before uh, the summer starts and get a whole set of new players in because the players that are on that team are the kind of, you know, strong, 
players to play with, you know, like your James McLean's, uh, the big Irishman, yeah, Johnny uh, Evans, and yeah, Maca- Ma- yeah, McCarthy, you know, the, 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 the like Johnny Evans in there. And you got Hagazi. You know, these guys are these guys are tough and tumble. Yeah, kind of uh, kind of players. You you have to play that way when you have those players. You know, sometimes your players dictate the way that you play and your tactics. And that team was not set up for anything but a Tony Pulis style of uh, of play. So I think getting rid of him it was their their uh the nail in their coffin yeah all right buddy well i'll i'll end it there we'll see how the picks uh pan out in the second half of the season obviously best of luck to liverpool you know we'll see we'll see how van i'm i'm honestly excited for van dyke because i want to see him at a big club so i'm happy he at least ended up with you guys because i knew arsenal would never sign him but, uh, you know, good luck to you, and uh, we'll see how the rest of the season turns out. Good luck to you guys as well. If it was up to me, you know, uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Spurs, they'd be in that top four, and uh, Chelsea and Man U would drop out, and nobody's catching City. So, yeah, uh, I don't think that's exactly how it's going to play out, but hopefully that's how it plays out, and then maybe all of uh, all, all the, the trio is, is happy there. All right, Matt. Take it easy. Have a good one. All right. Well, that just about does it for uh, the show today. Thanks again, Andrew, for doing the in-depth recap of the Premier League thus far and what holds for the second half of the season. I mean, again, there was a lot going on uh, with the Premier League uh, this year, so I want to kind of go into that. And obviously, the January transfer window is coming up, so... A lot of player movement is expected uh, just because, again, there are so many teams at the bottom half of the table that just need something. And, you know, some of these teams, again, it's just like two or three wins would uh, like kind of put them in a safer spot just because of how bunched in they are. It would just break them from the pack. Uh, it's just that so many teams are uh, at risk of getting dragged down into it. So I think you're going to see a lot of uh, movement just uh, from the owners that realize how uh, precarious they are at the moment. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, it should be an interesting second half of the year in the Premier League. And uh, obviously uh, we'll get into the NFL uh, uh, talk later. I uh, also want to talk about basketball uh, just because uh, the, the NBA action this year uh, has been uh, <laughs> it's just ridiculous in terms of uh, the referees and replay. So we're going to get into that uh, as well uh, as we go along. But uh Uh, That's all for now. Have a good one, everyone. talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss 
Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position.